Today's podcast is sponsored by Doit. Reduce your cloud spend by improving your cloud efficiency with Doit, an award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS. Find out more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Kubernetes Unpacked podcast episode. My name is Kristina Devochko. I'm Michael Levan. And today we're going to chat with Robert Strong, who is by uh, by a chance also a very good friend of mine, and I'm happy having you here uh, today, Robert. So hello, thanks for finding the time to join us today. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing good. We we had this common holiday season in Norway, so I'm uh, I I haven't got holidays. So I'm I'm working, <laughs> which means it goes slow because no one else is doing anything because you know people are building kitchens, you know getting some sun somewhere else, et cetera. So, you know, it's, it's going slow, but kind of steady, I guess. In a way, it's good that it's going slow. So you found the time to join us today to talk about some uh, exciting <laughs> Kubernetes-related stuff. <laughs> yeah, I would make the time anyway, so that's, that's perfectly yeah. fine. That's great, great. Um, we, I think that we will be talking about a pretty, pretty popular topic these days, pretty trendy. Uh, about internal developer platforms on Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. So maybe it would be a good idea to just kick it off and for you to tell us a bit and our audience a bit more about what this is, because there is there are many misconceptions out there as well and many different sources talking about platform engineering and internal developer platforms and what those are and how those hang together. So maybe you can help us and our audience clarify some of those concepts uh, first. Yeah, so so one of the reasons why this became popular is it, it kind of coexists with the, uh, the arrival of platform engineering, if you want to call it that, uh, where we on like the, let's call it the IT operations side, you know, previously it used to be more click ops. People were sitting with their consoles doing stuff. There, there was a ticket that came in through some sort of system and you got to sign it and you have to create a machine and give people access and all those kind of things. And then obviously that doesn't work at scale. Uh, so, you know, we uh, in the in the IT ops space started moving towards uh, scripting, more programming, and then kind of like the DevOps movement came along where we started using the tools the developers are using uh, to to develop the, you know, platforms, so to speak. And for the way that I see it for the longest time, that was kind of, I, it, not everyone could make sense of it because it's it's you know if you just say a platform you know what does that mean um and uh, and i've had a clear idea of what this should be for the longest time and i remember even when i started working with customers on um on as you know a platform engineer or or on on the platform team as they just called it uh they were basically like well we we our platform is azure and i know that that is my platform like what kind of platform are we building uh, and people couldn't understand the difference there so i think the internal internal developer uh platform kind of just uh cemented that definition that um like give just giving developers access to this huge platform with all these variants does not necessarily help them uh unless they have that uh, that experience working um on that level um most of them just kind of want to build their thing 
and then just like uh, get explained this is where this is where it's supposed to run so uh, the idea is to create a system for the developers um, a platform for the developers so they can just they have something to follow that makes sense to them and that is also kind of where it kind of gets weird because you know what makes sense to me doesn't always make sense to other people and you know teams are different their organizations are different and that's where we get all these variants of what an IDP is. Um, personally, I, I would like to not call it an internal developer platform, even though that's the term. I, I like to think of like an internal deployment platform because that's what it's doing. Like yeah. it might be operation people who are using this platform. It doesn't have to be a developer. Uh, it might just be um, a definitive way of, of hosting your application and your services. Um, so I just like to call it a platform just to make it simple again, but I, I think it needs a little bit preface because people, yeah, it it gets confusing for people. I think. Mm. Yeah. I, I would, you know, it's interesting because very much like you, you know, I think this is, you know, kind of what you were alluding to, but even before platform engineering, I mean, 2017, 2016 ish. I was, I don't even know what my title was at that point, but I was just on the, you know, cloud DevOpsy, whatever team. Yep. And we were building platforms. You know, we didn't really call them that at that point, though. We were kind of just like, hey, developers are having a hard time deploying to the cloud, et cetera. What can we do to make it easier for them? And we were mm -hmm. writing automation code and we were building things that made their jobs easier to deliver the software. So it's like, yeah. I feel like we've just been kind of doing this whole IDP platform engineering thing for a while already, at least some of us. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's just kind of like getting a proper naming around it, kind of, so yeah. to speak. Because I, I you know, also the, the question that I get constantly is like, what's the difference between platform engineering and DevOps? And the difference to me at least is, well, you know, the, the, the long-term debate of DevOps isn't a title, but I guess we're way past that at this point. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, even if you have a DevOps team, you're, the, that DevOps team is implementing the tools, but the developers are still, and I'm just talking from a developer perspective, mm -hmm. the developers are still forced to learn those tools and to become experts in those tools. Whereas with platform engineering, they're not. All of those tools are just on the background. You know, yep. the, the developers don't know what's happening. They just know they're running some code or they're clicking a button or they're doing a thing and things are happening. They don't know why or how or where it's happening. It's just happening. And I think that's yep. like the big differentiator there. I, 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 that, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of also plays into, so uh, j uh, just as a, um, just to for your information, I, I I'm uh, I'm one of the chairs in the platforms working group in the, in the, uh, under Tag App Delivery and CNCF. Oh, nice! And we're uh, we created first we started off creating a a, a platform uh, white paper which goes into what actually a platform is. Uh, just, you know, be, again because we started that group, it was called Cooperative Delivery as like a working title. And it turns out that's just a platform. So that's why it's called Platform Working Group now. Um, uh, so so the, the first thing was like, what is a platform? We need to define it. Um, 
So that white paper explains a lot, I think, uh, of a kind of our collective uh, opinions uh, on how you know what a platform is. Uh, but we're currently working on uh, the uh, platform maturity model. So um, one of the things that came up there was exactly this type of thinking where um there there's different there's different aspects of the maturity model but one of them were like how do you actually do things and uh, we had uh, golden paths and we had um another level which was uh, automated deployment through some sort of interface um and for some reason i don't know i'm not going to throw anyone on their bus but for some reason they in my opinion were switched so golden paths were kind of like the most mature level mm. And then like creating an API or, or some sort of like interface to this platform was the level below that. Uh, and I think the the things you're describing right now is is also kind of like my opinion. Like if you if you said we are gonna do deployments with Terraform and you tell your developers this is how we're gonna do it these are all the standard codes, et cetera, et cetera. Most likely, uh, you know, you could get back like, well, I don't want to learn Terraform. Mm -hmm. Like, where do we run Terraform? Why do I have to do it like this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If they get told this is the CLI tool, you run this tool, create environment and, and point it towards the Git repository. And this is the process that we're doing or something to that effect, uh, that they will go, oh, yeah, sure. I'm going to do that. But, you know, so that makes, you know, for me, that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of like the the last evolution in a platform where you basically have the same thing um, as uh, Amazon, uh, Microsoft and Google have. They have a platform that's really mature. You know, why is it mature? Because you can you can subscribe to the service. You just plus one, whatever, through several types of interfaces, a portal, CLI, API. Um, and then you utilize the platform. You don't think about what's going on under there. There's no one from Microsoft, Amazon, or Google involved doing things. You just go in and say, ah, this is what I want. Right. So for me, that's kind of like the, 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 the most mature platform. But then obviously, uh, you know, all these cloud vendors have all the services and there's a thousand ways to put it up. It's not secure by default uh, because you can't, you can't have you know, something really secure and be publicly accessible in the, the way that they need it to be. And that's where platform engineering comes in, where you kind of create that abstraction layer. And I guess like uh, from just from my reflection on the whole, uh, why we are talking that much more about uh, platform engineering and internal developer platform, I do agree as well that this is not something new and we have been doing it for a while also before Kubernetes. But I guess once Kubernetes came into picture and there, I think we ended at some point that developers been much more involved into the into needing to learn uh, much of how Kubernetes works to understand how they need to deploy their applications to Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. And there have not been that many tools uh, in the beginning as well that could help you kind of abstract all that complexity from them. And that's why there is there have been so many discussions and men, much frustration among developers that they didn't want necessarily to learn this they just wanted to focus on building their apps 
Yeah. And that's why we're talking much more about it now, though it's not being new, but now we have kind of so many tools that can help us actually build build this platform and abstract that much from mm. them as well. So like developers usually tend to, uh, in my instance, working with Azure, uh, you know, uh, when I started talking about using, for instance, like Kubernetes, they will go, why do that? We just want to pass solution, kind of just put it into app service. And it's like, well, then we'll get 300 app services and they need to connect to each other. It's going to get complicated pretty quickly unless you have something very specific that can just run easily there. And uh, but but for, for from their point of view, that is easier than starting to build these platform things. So that's why I think it's it's uh it's good that we now kind of start getting into the role like realm where the IT ops or you know, cloud IT ops as it used to be called, it now become becomes like platform engineering and we abstract that and, and the the focus is to create um create a platform and have that product and service oriented thinking where how does the developer then interact with it and what makes how can we make it easy for people to get their environments to get their code up and running and 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 get all the accesses that they need to make the thing work um you know you could do that by just allowing everyone to do whatever they want from an architecture level but it that gets messy and complicated in ways that is kind of just unnecessary at some point. Today's sponsor, Doit, can help you with your cloud challenges. Maybe you want to maximize your cloud use while controlling your costs. Perhaps the issue is balancing resource utilization while delivering agile IT. Maybe you just can't get good support from your cloud partners. Doit can help. An award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS, Doit works with over 3,000 customers to save them time and money. Doit combines intelligent software with expert consultancy and unlimited support to deliver cloud at peak efficiency with ease. The Doit team knows multi-cloud, cloud analytics, optimization, governance, Kubernetes, AI, and more. Work with Doit to optimize your cloud investment so you can stay focused on business growth. Learn more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T dot com. So now we do hear a lot about platform engineering and internal developer platforms. And as it was with Kubernetes, and maybe still is to some extent, a lot of people start just following the trend, following mm. the hype, because it's, everyone is talking about it. There are so many success stories. Companies are doing that and are are succeeding with it. And then everyone would like to follow that, um, which we tend to do often as humans. And you did also um, recently shared a lot about platform engineering, Michael. That's why I would like to sh kind of hear your opinions, both of you. When um, when do you need an internal developer platform? And are there do you need it for everything in every single use case? And do you necessarily need to build one yourself? Because there are also inter developer platforms out there that you could buy. So what is worth thinking about, like in this case? Do you always need it? And do you always need to build it yourself? So... Um, would like to go first <laughs> <laughs> and this is I'm, I'm, i think i'm very opinionated here so that's always enjoyable uh <laughs> <laughs> i the, the to answer your question you know i would ask a question which is well two questions number one 
how do you define an internal developer platform? And number two, do you want to make engineers' lives easier? For the second question, it's yes, right? It's always yes. Like we always, we always want to make our jobs a little bit easier. We always want to make the jobs of others a little bit easier. That way, you know, th this kind of just goes back to the the older or and still relevant definition of what's an SRE or well, what is an SRE supposed to be doing? Well, if they're spending more than 50% of their time putting out fires, they're doing their job wrong. They should be creating automated and repeatable processes around what they're doing. That way they can create and work on more business value driven work. And it's the same thing for all of us. We should all be thinking that way. So I would say, yeah, like we all should be using what we're now calling internal developer platforms. But, you know, five, 10 years ago, we were just calling it, hey, look at this thing that I created and just makes our lives a little bit easier. Like there wasn't a name for it, but we've been doing this for a long time. So I would say, yeah, I mean, I think everybody ultimately needs it. And then around what an internal developer platform is, I mean, like my mind from a Kubernetes perspective just goes to, for example, cross-plane, right? I think that's the most uh, uh, to-date IDP that we can think of out of the box when it comes to just standard regular Kubernetes, you know? And for everybody listening that doesn't know cross-plane, cross-plane is essentially at a high level, a way to utilize Kubernetes to create other resources. So for example, I can create a Kubernetes manifest to create a virtual network in Azure, to create a resource group in Azure, right? But then if you think about it from that perspective, because a lot of people are thinking uh, cross-plane equals IDP. But then if I'm thinking about it, that could also mean cluster API could be considered an IDP. Like for example, right now at the time of this recording, I'm working one of my clients that I'm working with, I'm creating a cluster API provider for them. So that cluster API provider, it's going to uh, essentially pull from a pool of VMs that are available. Those VMs are going to be ready, prepared, and kubeadm is going to be bootstrapped on them. And that's just a simple command. It's just literally a one-liner. And then boom, all this Go code runs in the background, APIs hit other APIs, and poof, our, our, our infrastructure is up and running. That to me is considered an IDP, right? Because developers don't have to go in or engineers don't have to go in, create the VMs, uh, you know, uh, get the container runtimes there, get the IP tables there or Cilium and eBPF or whatever combination you're using to get a raw Kubernetes cluster up and running. Instead of having to do all that, and instead of more importantly, having to have all that knowledge, you just run a command. So that would be an IDP, right? Even a Kubernetes operator. So if you're using something like KubeBuilder to build an operator, maybe that operator is to, hey, for every client, I need them to have a name, this namespace. It needs to have certain levels of isolation. It needs to have certain security context. It needs to have certain uh, limits and requests and quotas, right? And then I want to like just have a automated way to do all that versus having five to seven different Kubernetes manifests. So boom, I create an operator for that. That could be considered an IDP as well because it's just one simple command, so to speak. So I, I guess it ultimately, like the, the question is difficult because I guess it depends on what you define as an IDP. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with my, my boilerplate answer, which is it depends because, <laughs> because it does depend. Um, uh, uh, example, if we, if we three started a company and we are building a service, uh, but we're also, you know, both capable of writing code, but we're also very up to speed on how these cloud, you know, hypervisors work and how, how the cloud work and how to utilize these resources. We probably don't need to start building a full on IDP 
because we, you know, our collective knowledge spans across different domains and we can kind of deal with it. And worst case scenario, like I, if I was doing something I like, I, I don't understand how this thing work. I could, I could reach out to you and you use like five minutes and explain to me and go, all right, yeah, okay, cool. Now, I, now I know. And that kind of builds up the team knowledge. Um, and, and then you get companies where there's 200 developers. Uh, how how are you supposed to be able to support each and one developer into like in various knowledge on in various domains how, how you know through security to automation to you know networking to like that you can't um and at that point i think it's very clear that there needs to be some sort of a abstraction layer where you kind of just tell the developers this is the way that you're supposed to interact with the platform um and that makes more sense then so um uh, again it, it all depends like um you you even have uh, a base camp who are leaving the cloud because for them it doesn't make sense to be in the cloud because they have such a good grasp on hardware that they and they just need to do this one thing they don't need to have that abstraction layer of uh, all the past services and 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 uh, infrastructure uh, as a service and and all these types of things they don't need that they need a machine where they run their code on because they know how that works and they know how machines work so they they literally just move out of the cloud and put stuff in data centers traditional data centers um and and they they are saving money because for them the cost of abstracting to the cloud doesn't make sense so is it it's the same type of thing um if you if you're 10 people in your company and you have someone that is good with infrastructure someone that's great with with uh with uh security and everyone can kind of learn from each other you probably don't need to build anything on top of a different cloud uh you don't need to create something on top of the platform um where it gets you know silly in in my head is when basecamp left the cloud there was a lot of people who kind of went out and said oh you see cloud is bad <laughs> like, like we're, we all we like all move out of cloud uh that's where i kind of go well no it's not you know i i'm not gonna leave the cloud to start holding that pulling machines in and out of racks i did that that was fun at the time <laughs> But, you know, I have other things to care about. Like, I don't want to drive to a data center and pull out machines and swap hard drives. Um, th- there's a there's a place for the cloud and there's a place for IDPs. It, it just it depends if you need it or not. Totally. I guess what we can take out of this is that IDP comes in many flavors, which differ yeah. based on which where which project which company you are in but the the most important here is the goal like why what is the whole point yeah. it, it is to make the life easier for developers for engineers and to make life easier for you as an SRE or as mm-hmm. an operations team to sit to focus on more exciting tasks instead of trying to support frustrated yeah. developers <laughs> yeah and the platform that we're running at, at my company is totally different than what you would do in a different company uh, we don't have necessarily developers per se we have like multi-tasked people both do operations and and development and then we have some people who are straight up just cloud engineers you know what they know they know terraform you know 
And then it's kind of like, how do you do, how do you do Terraform as a service? Well, Kubernetes. So you know, it's 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 kind of those things where um, you some platforms uh, might not necessarily have to be very bespoke, but then you have like this. Uh, sometimes you have to think out of the box, and you get kind of weird results. Uh, some of the things that that we're doing is probably going to be really weird for most people, uh, but it's it's necessary to to kind of fit not only what we're trying to do, but the people that are working on with this platform. Mm. Cool. You know, it's interesting what what you were saying before around you know, hey, if we you know if all three of us started a company and we all had the knowledge and we all wanted to share it, et cetera, you know, we wouldn't really need a platform at that point, which is true. And then on the on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, it's almost like, well, you know, yeah, we could do the knowledge transfer and all that, but the work still needs to be done. So maybe we want to build something to kind of get that work done in an easier fashion. And then, yeah. the, and then the question becomes, is that automation and repeatability or is that an IDP? And I think this is where like the buzzwordish, like hot trends, et cetera, kind of like clash with things that already exist. Cause it's like, mm. then at that point, what is it? Because, you know, th through this conversation, we're talking about various different forms of an IDP, yet there's still no true definition of what that is and yeah. what it looks like. So then it's like if we need to teach engineers and teach developers and teach various people in IT, what is an IDP? Like what, what answer do you give? You know, and I think that's where like platform engineering, you know, whether it's on Kubernetes or not, is still very much emerging in the sense of like what is it actually supposed to be because even you know on on an, on the, on another side of it uh morpheus uh I, I i met them over at a cloud field day shout out to stephen foskett and everybody at tech field day they're building a platform that is abstracting all of this stuff right you click a few buttons you, you choose a few options and boom you have this environment kind of up and running and mm -hmm. that's a, you know, Christina, to your point, that's like an IDP that you can buy. Yeah. So then it's like, mm -hmm. then the question comes, is an IDP something that's more UI based or is it something that's more code based like crossplane? And I think it's both, but then it's like, how do you, how do you differentiate it? Right. And that's, I think, I feel like that's the hardest part at this point is like, how do you differentiate one or the other, you know? Not only hmm. when you should use it, but how is it defined at this point? Yeah, and and uh, and now for this to become some sort of sales pitch, but that's kind of what we're doing as well. We're kind of we are creating, you know, platform, you know, a, not not a platform as a service, but more like platform engineering as a service type hmm. aspect. Where uh, the idea is that if you have developers and you don't have a platform team, or you have a platform team that's not doesn't have the 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 knowledge on how to start building this and and obviously building a you know a full on scale platform takes time uh and and we you know previous consultants we don't want to we don't want to just like uh you know uh build hours and sit there and build the same thing over and, and over and, and over again with slight differences so we would rather just make a platform for platforms mm -hmm. um and 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 
that is something that is accessible for most people i think like you could uh you could do that even if we three created a company we didn't want to focus on infrastructure and security we we could go find something like that um but i, th- I think the platform uh, uh platform's white paper kind of describes it pretty well like what is a platform because it's it's a set of capabilities and those capabilities doesn't necessarily have to be the capabilities that everyone needs uh if you need uh if you need environment automation that is a capability some don't need that because they have one environment they have one cluster where everything is you know separate into namespaces etc etc like there's there's pros and cons with everything right um there's uh there's uh there's uh, uh security and uh security bindings like uh, da- data access etc 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 all these are different types of capabilities and a platform might be some or all of them um f- but you know, for us uh, i i would say uh, or if you have a small team like if you if you set up your kubernetes cluster and you all agree that it's just one cluster preferably two i i like to have production and non-production you know so at least <laughs> when you do something in non-production you don't screw up production um and, and then you say something like all right we'll just use GitOps. that's it we these are our repository structures that's it and off we go like that is a platform it's automated it's uh, it's um everyone agreed on how to do it it's something that is very easy for people to use compared to actually j- jumping into clusters and doing things manually etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's still a platform it might not be a platform with a lot of capabilities but it's still a platform hmm. that speeds up the think- process which is the idea of a platform yeah and like you mentioned michael automation and repeatability in my head this is like also the kind of the functionality or the capabilities of the platform uh, independent on what 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 form it is in this this is kind of what what you would need to have a proper proper platform in place as well yeah and and even when i and when i when i started i when i say that i feel like i'm old but uh or, or, or sorry i'm old but i'm i haven't been in it for all my life uh but when i started in it uh automation was the, the very adopted by everyone but i i had uh i worked in the municipality up in the up in the arctic and obviously people were still click opsing everything and when i started learning i was like it's like well powershell i started learning powershell started automating things and kind of went like well at some point in my head it made sense that if you're doing operations you would have to program at some point you would have to have code and you have to would have to do these things so i quickly like started looking into things and then learn about devops and that kind of just took its you know own course um but but uh you know so that has been pressed like people did Perl scripts like system administrators have automated things always and then there's some that haven't done that i think at this point with how big technology is and how like the the like the, the idea of the cloud and and all these things now have settled and it's kind of the norm if you if you don't write you know your automation be it by scripts or actual development um or developing code I, I don't think there's a place for people anymore. You have to go towards these types of things. Like you could still do click ops, but there will be two jobs in the world for you at some point. Uh, not to say that, you know, 
everyone needs to be platform engineers, but you know, it is slowly moving towards that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at least a subset of it somehow, like at least automate something, at least know how to write Terraform. You know, you need to do something to make it more efficient because you can't just click your way through life anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's super funny because, you know, I, I, I kind of noticed the same trend, the same thing that you did years ago. I, I when I first started out my career, you know, I was in help desk and stuff. And then I moved into like systems administration and I was always on the Windows side in the beginning of my career. And while everybody was clicking around, I was like, oh, there's this this PowerShell thing. And this was like early, yeah. early days of PowerShell. And I dove in and I was like, oh, wow, this can make our life so much easier. And like everybody around me was like, no, this PowerShell thing isn't going to go anywhere. Sysadmins don't write code, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I think you guys are wrong. Uh, and, you know, here we are. Right. And, you know, that's that was kind of like the transition in my career where I went from doing that to like, oh, I like writing code. And then I, you know, did software development for a while. And then I kind of met somewhere in the middle of, you know, DevOps or SRE yep. or platform engineering or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, I think that trend has been going for quite a while. And I and you're absolutely right. Like at this point, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it wasn't the case. But at this point, you're writing code in some way, shape or form. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to build the next Twitter or the ne- next Instagram, but you do have to like understand automation from a certain perspective, Terraform, Ansible, whatever the case may be, you got to be writing some mm-hmm. type of code to automate and, you know, create repeatable processes and stuff like that. Cause yeah, click clicking around, uh, isn't going to help. And then, and then on the flip side, arguing with myself and <laughs> playing devil's advocate with myself, then you have these platforms that are coming out that are, you know, you would go and you would buy an internal developer platform and the majority of them are UI based. Yep. So then that causes even more confusion because it's like, oh wait, are we going back to the click ops thing or are we still creating this automation or repeatability? And then there's like this like weird middle ground of maybe doing a little bit of both and yeah. So, so for me, again, it comes back to the idea of abstraction layers. Like, who are you, you know, who are you and where do you fit into this? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I'm just straight in front of the, the, uh, the end user of something. I'm behind the developer and I'm, uh, I'm usually between the developer and the, the cloud vendor and doing my thing there. Uh, so things make sense for me in, in that space. Um, when you start creating these platforms and you kind of get the, uh, your, your portals and, and some sort of UI, um, I think, you know, if you, if you end up liking that, starting clicking through these things, you know, there, there's always room for some sort of like administrative IT function. Someone who goes in, looks at reports and go like, oh, this is not right. So, you know, that type of person. Uh, I think those portals are more meant towards them. If you're doing system administration, you would have to be in the thick of it on the technical side. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, in worst case scenario, if you have a portal, someone goes in, a system is down, and they are not, you know, a technical person, but a person that understands, like, tries to click around, they, they won't solve it. Mm-hmm. That issue mm-hmm. won't get solved unless the system then again has some sort of like self healing 
thing going on or something. Uh, they will just sit there and go, oh, there's an error. Well, then I have to contact support. And then the support people will have to jump into the technical aspects of it and start fixing it. And and usually through code or some sort of system. So again, kind of, uh, yes, we we get to a point where we're kind of creating these platforms and then we're creating it's the uh, ways of interacting with it in, in many cases in UI. So you kind of think you get back to ClickOps at some point, but I don't think you really do. I think we just we matured, so the, the different roles matured. Like the um, the typical IT administrator people, I think are so are more mature where they kind of understand more technical aspects enough to make better decisions, and then they would use these type of tools to kind of like make sure everything is up to date. You know, everything has its licenses, et cetera, whatever the case may be. Uh, but we, you know, we we that are creating these uh, solutions, we we the system administrators, uh, if you want to go back to that term, uh, we need to be there and we need to develop code at this point. Mm-hmm. We need to write some text that 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 translates intent into action. Makes sense. Well, it makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it, it absolutely does. Yeah, totally. Mm. So my my last and final question here is going back to, you know, the idea of, of running internal developer platforms on Kubernetes. Mm. Um, the three things that, that, you know, jump out and come to mind for me are, is cross-plane Kubernetes operators and cluster API. And now I'm mm. talking specifically utilizing Kubernetes at this point as an internal developer platform. Um, does right. anything else kind of come to mind to you, to Christina, around like how would you you would use Kubernetes as an IDP? I, well, I think at least um, uh, if you if you if you if you boil it down to capabilities again, uh, having if you're creating a platform and that platform is supposed to create environments, you would need something to interact uh with the underlying platform and create those environments that might be cross-plane for you uh for others that might be uh some sort of operator or uh some sort of like uh, uh cdk type mm. uh, solution where where you kind of just define stuff and and something some sort of process kicks off for for us that is terraform so we're we're building stuff with flux and then we're extending flux using the terraform controller from WeWorks, which means that we can just define how um, we can define our Terraform deployments as a Kubernetes resource. So we we still write Kubernetes uh, or sorry the Terraform uh, code. We have our root modules. The root modules that we would repeat in pipelines before just now gets repeated as an automated process in Kubernetes by doing it like that. Interesting. Okay, so the 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 operator is kicking off the Terraform code. Yeah, so it spins up uh, it spins up a pod, and that pod is then a runner, and it it gets its um, it gets its Terraform code down. It initiates. It's running a plan, and then it says, "Oh, uh, you know, update the resource with a new status and saying that it, this needs to be." Uh, well, if you're not doing it 
proper GitOps uh, and have like a step in between to to approve, then it would say like, you need to approve it and there's a process for that. Uh, we obviously set it to auto. If something happens in the system, if something is updated, that's supposed to happen, period. We don't, mm. yeah. That's cool. That's a really cool use case. Yeah, I gotta yeah. I gotta play around mm. with that myself. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, again, it's one of those things that are more unique uh, because that's when people look to automating things using Kubernetes, you immediately go to projects like Crossplane uh, and start looking at that, and and then potentially putting something like Backstage in front. Mm-hmm. You know, to have that abstraction layer for for documentation and 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 kind of like that interaction, you know, element of it. Uh, but but for us, is is probably going to be uh, automating Terraform or automating, for instance, like PowerShell. Because again, come back to the people that I'm working with aren't developers. So if if I can tell them, if you create a script to do something, if if we package that into a container, we can deploy it automatically on Kubernetes and we can put that behind an API and then you have a service. It's just written with PowerShell and not code. Uh, but if they, if you want to do it in Python, sure, do it in Python. If you if you're, want to do it in, in uh, .NET, Go, Rust, or the Rockstar the programming language, if you, I don't <laughs> know, manage to make that do anything great uh like you could do that and put it into a container and then we can automate it you know so it's it just like becomes more flexible that way nice. i have to do all the hard parts and then they go. just have to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that sounds like you enjoy doing that though <laughs> well, it, it is fun to some extent um <laughs> as, as as long as the people understand that they don't have to think about the questions how it works like just just write your powershell script uh and here's here's how you do uh here's how you package that into a docker container if you can run it on your computer you know we're good to go we can make a service out of it Mm -hmm. students start asking i kind of go oh okay well hold on (laughs) (laughs) well always fun just to a certain extent though i remember my uncle told me when i was very young uh whether whether you make twenty thousand a year or a million a year uh, Sunday night still comes and Monday morning still comes. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Oh, <laughs> it's true. I'm not sure if that was positive or a very desperate type of <laughs> think, think realistic, what? hard love. There you go. We'll call it that. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah. So before we wrap up here, Christina, you have anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, I had like while you were thinking about like from from the perspective of operations um, in uh, IDPs, I was like, I come from the developer background fully. So um, I am more interested like to wrap up maybe to since it's an internal developer platform. So we do abstract complexity away from the developers. So I would like to kind of bring up a topic of if this means that developers then don't need to learn or maybe even understand the concepts of Kubernetes at all in this case, if you have such a platform in place. Because I think, for example, in my opinion, I still think that developers would need to understand some concepts because this is still a continuous communication you would have with developers because they need to provide 
input on how to verify the health and stability of the applications, how to define how much CPU and memory it needs and that type of things, the developers would still need to give that information to you. So they would need to understand what is important in terms of those apps to run um, mm. in Kubernetes. But what do you think about it? Does this introducing an IDP means that then developers don't need to learn or understand Kubernetes concepts at all? I, I don't think the need to learn, uh, you know, everything. You you would need to establish uh, uh, some as you know uh, some parts of it because at some point you would have to communicate. Like if they don't if they don't learn the word pod and what that actually means, not necessarily full on. They don't need to know how to secure it. They don't need to you know all those types of things because that kind of comes from the platform aspects of it. Uh, that's you know that's our job to make sure that uh, you know whatever they put in is going to be secure and, and and good but at some point something will go wrong and uh, they will uh, you know get contacted by someone that says well something is happening uh, the container spins up uh, in the pod uh, and but the pod is not able to and as if they're going to have to like if they stop at that point already you know you can't have fluid communication so they need to learn you know what a pod is how it's running on this platform like what is the kubernetes api and how does that kind of like those things but it don't necessarily have to know like deep dive into kubernetes and how that works that is that is for us to do uh but and for me it's the same type of deal that like you don't need to know how a car works you need to know how to get in the thing and how to turn it on and what happens if you push down the brakes and the gas pedal like that's what you need to know. Like how you know, if, if you're driving a manual and you or stick shift or whatever you want to call it, if you then put it into some sort of gear, like do you need to know what happens underneath and how that actually tractions and, and no, you need to know that you put it into one. And then you you know stuff stuff you know push down the gas, et cetera, et cetera. Those kind of things you need to know. Uh and it's the same with security and, and all those things. It's um uh i i always say that like people are complaining about having to become full stack developers but you know what we are asking of many of the developers is to become like a full stack it person is <laughs> like yeah full stack developer you need to be a security engineer cybersecurity engineer information security uh, also obviously a network security oh by the way networking you need to know how uh, automation works you need to know like that doesn't make sense like there are some people who are you know have more you know headspace or whatever you want to call it you know more storage space on top for for, for these kind of things uh, i i have too much storage so that's why i know a lot about a lot of topics but I figured a long time ago, like I need to stop filling up with all these things. Like I, like, yeah, sure, I know how TCP/IP works and and how the communication works, but I, I don't really need it. So you know, I'm not going to be a network engineer. So at some point, I kind of just steered myself to something more specific. Uh, but I just happen to have a capability to to learn a lot about a lot when it comes to these things. Many people don't. Many people are just able to mm -hmm. learn the things that they're doing, like straight right in front of them. Some people are not even able to learn 
front-end developer things because they're too busy doing back-end. Like they can't like even, you know, draw parallels between those things at all. So at, at, well, basically I, I think yeah, they would need to know what the platform is built on, how that works in form of uh, the, like the bare necessities and, and, and that's just because of it will make it easier to communicate what's going on, but hmm. they don't need to be Kubernetes experts to deploy stuff on Kubernetes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, I think this is the ironic thing about overall technology timelines. So for example, if we go back to, you know, 2005, 2006, people were focused on VMware. People were focused mm. on talking about how VMs work, how vSphere worked, how ESX and ESXi worked. This was the focus. And then at some point, it was less about how the VMs worked and more about hey, this VM thing, it's just, it's kind of there in the background. Like this is just the default yeah. at this point. It's just there. It wasn't the hot, new, sexy topic. It was just there. And now mm -hmm. it's the same thing. When we're, when we're deploying control planes, when we're um, deploying worker nodes, we're not talking about, hey, these are VMs. We're talking about, hey, these are control planes and worker nodes. The VMs are just mm -hmm. kind of there in the background. Like we just kind of know it's just the default. Mm -hmm. I believe that will be the direction that Kubernetes will go in. We're mm. going to be building stuff on top of Kubernetes and Kubernetes is just going to kind of be there. It's just going to be the default. It's just going to be in the background. Nobody's really going to be talking about it anymore. Just like, you know, nobody's saying, hey, this is a VM. Hey, this VM is doing this thing, et cetera. No, we're talking about what's on top of the VM. And, I, and again, I think that's where Kubernetes will go as well, where it's like, we're going to be talking about what's on top of it, not about the underlying layer, but you still need to know how it works to a certain extent. You know, you can't yep. deploy control planes and worker nodes if you don't understand how VMs work, if you don't understand how Linux works to a certain Boom. extent. You don't have to know every single bash command. You don't have to know every single underlying Linux kernel process, but you do have to know the basics of getting from A to H at least, yep. you know? And I think that'll be the same thing with Kubernetes. Like you're still going to have to know to a certain extent of how to spin it up, et cetera, but everybody's going to be more worried about what's on top. So I think that'll, we're, we're going to continue to see that trend, just like we've seen from, you know, mainframes to servers, you know, bare metal to VMs, VMs to containers, containers to orchestration, and, you know, whatever the next thing is going to be, right? Because there's always a next yep. thing. Um, but, you know, it, it'll, the, there'll always be some underlying orchestration at this point. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and you don't necessarily have to see it as well. Right. Uh, you know, when it's just, again, taking like Azure, for instance, Azure is Hyper-V, but you never see it. Exactly, exactly. You, you, you have no concept of Hyper-V when you're using Azure because the, that doesn't come across in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's the same thing with... Um, you, you need to learn their language for the things. It's like, yeah, it's a virtual machine. This is a virtual network, et cetera, et cetera. If you're having issues with, with these things, you need to learn the concepts of how that platform is built and, and what kind of terminology they're using for things. Uh, so you can communicate with, with, with them and say, oh, I'm, I'm having issues with this. Right. Um, besides that, you don't need to know how it works in, in that aspect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that is no more. So.
And I guess this for developers is not something new because uh, to need to learn some basics or concepts of the services that they are dependent on to get what they focus mainly on out. Like if you are a developer, you need to understand some of the fundamentals of software architecture and what kind of architecture your application mm. has. Or you may need to understand how it interacts, how the back end interacts with the front end, because at some point you may need to develop a functionality that touches on some of the front-end components in a way, or the database, or you need to understand the build pipeline or the tests that are failing. And this is kind of just an additional component that you may need to understand the basics of, but this is not kind of, will be not the main focus for you that will take most of your time to Mm. learn and master. So and um, unless you and, and unless you have reasons for it and and want to learn more, it is better with uh like if you have a focus, uh the rest of it is basically just uh, um just in time learning. Like mm-hmm. you, I'm doing this. I'm going to implement this function. This actually starts working with a technology that I'm not familiar with. So I need to learn about that, and that's how you grow, and mm-hmm. learn more. And that's where experience comes into play. Um, if you if you're learning everything up front, you, you're you're just sit there learning and not working. Like you won't get anything done. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, so, do you have any last minute questions, Michael? No, I, I think I I'm am all set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was a great conversation. I feel like we could be going totally. for another couple hours, but. <laughs> let's go awesome (laughs) so so robert uh uh, wrapping up here i'd like to give you a moment to plug away i don't know if you have any any blogs that you want to plug or books or content (laughs) or anything at all please plug away oh okay well uh you know i want to plug blogs and stuff like that but i have adhd and i'm not able to write anything because i i I just it just doesn't work for me so at some point i'm going to start making videos but but uh but i don't have anything for that right now but now but uh check out uh check out my uh, company it's called amesto 42 yes uh, 42 as in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy because it's the answer to life universe and everything um we uh we are uh, you know we are on i almost want to say twitter but not really we're on x apparently uh and uh, obviously on linkedin and stuff like that but uh uh i, I do too much so i'm gonna i'm gonna sit there for 10 minutes talking about myself so i'm not gonna do that so feel free to just uh to just look uh jump on on linkedin and connect with me and if you if you need anything i'm i'm, I'm you know if you ask questions i usually just answer Cool. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on. This was a great conversation. And uh, Christina, as always, thank you so much for being here as well. Thank you. And likewise, Michael. And thanks, Robert, for joining us. And thanks to all of the audience.